This is my, for me, this is my seventh Christmas message as I sit in this subject matter just like you do every single year. You're always looking for the Lord to just speak to you, to lead you, to guide your heart. Today, throughout this world, as congregations are meeting, most of them, you know, they're focused on some kind of Christmas message, whether it's been through a series as we've sat in Advent, that waiting for this festival that we have that we know is Christmas. This year for me is the men's study. We're in the Gospel of Luke right now. We've been in those first couple of chapters and just really sitting there meditating for, for over a month just in this narrative that we have in Luke chapters 1 and 2. But for me, what's really stood out is the humanity of Christ. We sit there and just meditate on the proclamation that we have in God's word that he brought to both Joseph and to Mary that Mary was going to conceive in her womb through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And the thought that really overwhelmed me was just this whole idea of his humanity. From that moment, right, God formed Jesus in the womb of Mary from two cells. It was a miraculous start but from the moment of that miracle throughout the progression of Jesus' life, he had the same life experience that we all have. And this is what I want to define for this, this morning. So as we sit in the reality that divinity became humanity, I want to define what does it mean, one, to be divine? Two, what does it mean to be human? And this is a Webster's Dictionary, this word humanity defines it as compassionate, sympathetic, or generous behavior or disposition. Webster's first dictionary for what humanity means. When you observe humanity, is that's your definition that you would describe? Compassionate, sympathetic, or generous behavior or disposition. Would that be your first definition? Would that be one of your first definitions of Jesus in his humanity? Absolutely. So when I read that, I mean, that, that is very clearly a definition of our Lord as a human being. And that action that he took, that action that he planned, compassionate, sympathetic, generous in behavior and disposition. I got on Google... And this is the question that I want us to sit in. We'll deal with the uh, divinity question in a minute as we get into the Gospel of John. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I would like you to meditate on this. I'm going to run through a variety of answers that I came across. But the question is, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean for you to be a human being? One of the first definitions that I read that somebody put out there is it doesn't mean anything. A very pessimistic answer. A very angry answer. Of when you sit and you look and you just examine your life, what does it mean for you to be you? And for this individual, and there's going to be, and again, we've probably been in these circumstances of what's the point of all this? What's the meaning of this? Why is this going on in my life? So for this person, as they were answering that question at that moment, it means nothing. 
And then the reality is, as we sit in the, the depth of the answer of that question, being a human being is extremely complicated, complex to be a human. It's very contradictory. As we just read through the definition of humanity, we have on this one side where we want to be generous. We want to be compassionate. We want to be sympathetic in our behavior and our demeanor and our disposition in general. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be good. We want to be in right standing. We want to be all these things. But so often we stand as human beings in exact contradiction to what we want to be, what we desire to be, or what we observe in the general population. And at the same time, so being a human is complicated. It's often contradictory, and there is a great mystery to what it means to be a human being that ultimately is beyond our ability to define exactly who we are and what we are as a creation. So when we sit in this definition, we can define being a human as physical, mental, emotional, and from a spiritual perspective. And the spiritual idea is that there is something to us that is more than what we can see and what we can observe. There is something non-physical that is, that our only definition is ultimately found in being, containing the image of God spiritually. So when we look at the physical, we can define being human as we were made. So for some, that answer that we were made, it's, it's, it's the answer of evolution, where it's a very random process. And for others, most of us in this room, it's going to be that we are very specifically designed. We think about what it means to be a human in regards to the mind, the mental aspects. We are able to think. We were able to ask the question and pursue the question of what does it mean to be a human. We're very inquisitive. We ask lots of questions. We are able to reason through those uh, that information and the thought processes and the questions that we ask, we are able to learn. According to how we learn, we make decisions, we make choices. Those decisions and choices we have as human beings, they have consequences, good and bad. From those life experiences, we learn to adapt. All of us to one degree, their degree, as we adapt in our life circumstances, we're seeking to become a better version of ourselves ultimately. We are looking to persevere and to overcome. In regards to the mind, what it means to be human, we have this self-awareness, this comprehension of ourselves as, as we see our own image and as we reflect our personalities to those around us this idea just in and again in philosophy the whole reality of self-consciousness and how we express ourselves as we sit in the image of god we are very creative we are very artistic when it comes to our minds again the moral reasoning we have the ability to determine and to figure out what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. Clearly, we find multiple sources for the definitions of that, but we have the capacity to reason through those things. In regards to communication, we communicate in words, very complex. We communicate through symbols, through gestures, through facial expressions, body expressions. 
We have the ability to consider the past and the present and our futures. When it comes to emotions, we love, we hate, we suffer, we laugh, we cry. In our emotions, we seek many times to be compassionate towards one another, to take care of each other. Ideas of sympathy and empathy. We seek to understand our world and our environment, ourselves. We seek to understand many things. At the same time, we seek to be understood by others. I want you to know who I am. I want you to know my perspective. I want you to know my life experience. I want you to know me in Jesus. I want you to know who I was apart from Jesus. And I want to know you in those same. I want to understand you. Our emotions, we know fear. We know courage. We know fun. We know happiness. Socially, we are all individuals, but as individuals, as human beings, we are very connected to one another. We have very structured social systems. And in that structure, there is great diversity. There is great diversity in just in, in culture. There's great diversity in government. There's great diversity in economy. As human beings, each one of us, we seek freedom. At the same time, we also seek to have dominion. It's our, in our nature to be human beings. We like to take control rather than live at the will of another. We don't want to have somebody else tell us what to do for the most part. Rather, we want to do the telling. As human beings, we seek to oppose what is wrong. We seek to do what is right. What it means to be human is every single one of us deals with imperfection. We deal with disease and death. One person's definition says we live to die, but we would die to live. And ultimately what it means to be a human being, as I mentioned earlier, the contradictions is that we can be very helpful and hurtful to be human there is a magnificence to this life experience and at the same time there's the monstrous we can be amazing and we can be awful what i want you to really sit in this question of what does it mean to be human you can sit in your definitions for how you describe yourself physically how you describe yourself mentally and emotionally and spiritually what your life experience has been like but the emphasis of asking the question is now really sitting in and meditating what did it mean that the divine one the singular divine being god Father, Son, and Spirit sent the Son to be human. From the moment of his miracle conception in Mary's womb, he had just as human of a life experience as you, me, and the billions of other people who have existed. So as we sit in his mental capacity, his knowledge, his love, 
How did he deal with hatred? Everything that Jesus endured as a human being, he did through a sinless manner. He did in relationship with his father. But as we look at this image, go to the image. And I want this just sitting up on the wall. Can you advance that really quick? We all look at art throughout history. You know, you usually have Mary holding Jesus in, in art throughout all of history. And it's in its different forms. And again, this is just a modern picture of it. But in that, again, I'm thinking, leave that up there. Um, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, we have Camilla that's always out there holding Atticus in her little strap or whatever, but it's that same picture. When we consider Christmas time, we are celebrating the divine one becoming a human being. As we sit in that image, often it's this image of a mother holding her child. We see the vulnerability, we see his poverty, we see where. All of the different circumstances that we have in the word of God that describe this experience to us, we watch him become fully human. And in this image, there's, it's a, it's, it's, there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of suffering in humanity that Jesus stepped into. There's water at the bottom. There's this, there's this storm coming down. Her face is calm to me. It's, it's communicating to me again. It's just communicating Mary's whole attitude of faith and trust of God. At the same time, it's preaching to me the, the vulnerability that our God took upon himself to become just like us is absolutely incredible. The scriptures tell us that Jesus grew. He grew in grace. He grew in knowledge. He was obedient to his father. When he stepped out of divinity and became fully human, it wasn't Jesus in the flesh had all knowledge. He emptied himself of that. And he stepped into the same position that we have with our father of complete and total trust by faith. And he was perfect in it. And he was holy in it. The definitions that we have in the gospel, so turn to the gospel of John. John does a wonderful job communicating God, divinity, stepping into this humanity. So we're going to read through this. And again, I, this long-winded introduction, I just really want you to sit in that question of what does it mean to be human? And then answering that, what did it mean for our God to really step into this? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. John's using these incredible, just these, these images, this figure of speech. In the beginning was, here's this idea, this, this Word deals with communication. There's a proclamation there is, there is knowledge to be conveyed and exposed. This is who our God is, the Word. The Word was not only with God, there's, there's, there's a multiplicity, right, in the person of God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, this Word. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. He's the source of all. In him, in the word, who was with God and who was God, in him was life. Life is an attribute 
of God. It is what he is and what he has given. And the life was the light of men. Again, very powerful imagery. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, did not understand it. Some of your translations would say did not overcome it. But look at what John is conveying. Here in the beginning is the word. Here is God. God is defined as the word, this idea of thought and communication and proclamation. God is defined as life. And God is defined as light. This light is what manifests. God manifested himself into what he created. And what he created, there's this lack of comprehension, understanding, and overcoming. Verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. So God here, in the midst of his creation, is interacting and sending a man. Why? Verse 7, this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. All. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. God has always been present in his creation. The world was made through him, all of it, and the world did not know him. Humanity did not know its creator. He came to his own, literally to his own dominion, to his own things, his own authority, which is all of it. It's all his. And his own, literally his own people, did not receive him. Humanity as a whole, specifically, he came to the Jews, and they did not receive him. But the great contrast, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Hold your place here really quick. If you turn over to chapter 3 of John. We have this conversation going on between Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus gives this incredible definition, declaration to Nicodemus in verse 3 of chapter 3. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Again, this is back in verse 13 of chapter 1. We were born not of, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This idea of being born again is being born of God, being born of the Spirit, being born from above, being born again. Jump down to verse 17 of chapter 3, right after one of the most famous verses declaring, well, let's just read verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Through faith in him, 
We get to be with him. He is everlasting life. Verse 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This helps understand this, this, ima- this light imagery that's going on in chapter 1. Verse 18 says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Because his deeds would be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, comes to the life, comes to the word, comes to God. Why? That his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Flip back to chapter 1. And here is the declaration where divinity became humanity in verse 14. The word, I'm going to say it again, who is what? Who is life, who is light, who is God, became something that he was not. He became flesh. He became human. And he dwelt among us. And the power of that word dwelt as he tabernacled. He took up his home. All of the imagery of the Old Testament talking about God dwelling in the temple in all of his glory. Here you have the glory of God dwelling, tabernacling in the flesh in our midst among us as a human. We beheld his glory. And think of the testimony of this man, John. John is a disciple. Followed the call of Jesus. And we sit in the testimony that we have in the Gospels. We'll be spending a lot of time in John's writings in the next couple of months. We beheld his glory. We saw his weight. The glory as the only begotten of the Father. Full of what? Grace. Truth. As a human, he was a perfect man. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 16, Of of his fullness we have all received. Think of the fullness of God. We pray that prayer there in Ephesians often, that you would be filled with the fullness of God. Of his fullness, his completeness, his holiness, all that he is, we have all received in grace for grace and on and on. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him so we watch this definition that we're given from john 
is there's, there's the whole creation story is going on. God was in the beginning. God has always existed. He is the one who created. All things were created through him. But even as you sit in Genesis, right, there was, there was darkness, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Again, God flooding his entire creation with what? Himself. He's everywhere. He's present. And we sit in the brokenness of what happens in the fall when Adam and Eve disobey, and we watch sin come in, disobedience come in, and death come in. We sit in this from that story from Genesis 3 all the way to present time and until Jesus comes back, what do we sit in the narrative? Humanity does not comprehend its creator. Humanity doesn't want to comprehend its creator in many ways. There may be in times in your life, in your rebellious self before Jesus, where you wanted to remain unseen. You didn't want to come to the light to be exposed. You, didn't, you don't want to see yourself. You don't want to understand yourself. You don't want to understand what it means to be a human being in your context because it's painful. It causes suffering. You realize how unworthy you are, how incapable you are, how imperfect you are. We see exactly how weak we are when we come and stand in the light of God. We just we were in 2 Corinthians recently. When we understand our weakness, when we boast in our weakness, we truly press into his strength and his beauty, his divinity and his humanity at the same time. And we get to respond to him, Lord, I am incapable of being human. I am incapable of being who you created me to be because of my sin, because of all of human sin, all of my imperfections because of the death that I have to face. And you are the one who became just like me to enable me to be human. Again, this, is, this for me, it's, it's the wonder of his humanity. Why did he do what he did? Why did God choose as plan A to step into his creation and to be like his creation, to save us and to deliver us? We're told here that he came to declare himself to us. Jesus' entire humanity, from the proclamation of his birth, as we sit in the very brief narrative of his birth and of his upbringing, but we see him there in his public ministry, everything that he did was to do the singular action of bringing light and life into his very dead and broken creation. Turn into uh, the Gospel of Luke really quick. And you know, we're just going to sit in the major declarations of who it is that he was becoming. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God, just like John the man was sent by God. Here's a messenger spiritual heavenly messenger sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice. So we've been studying this in the men's study. The joy, the repetitious joy of this section flows 
brilliantly. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Again, these are, these are all heavenly declarations of why the divine became human. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you at that moment of conception. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And it goes on there. Well, I guess we'll read it because it's awesome. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. And I love this. And this is why we're reading it. Verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. A declaration to Mary. This is the declaration that was given to Joseph in uh, Matthew 1, verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That miracle of conception and that reality of cell by cell being knitted in the womb of Mary as our God made human. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Main reason we're coming. Why? Why did God give himself this name? Because he will save his people from their sins and death. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear us a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Back to Luke chapter 2. Luke 2 verse 8. 
It was in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Why? Behold, I bring to you good tidings, good news of great joy, which will be to all people. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Sit in this scene, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Sit in the, sit in the scene, just the, all the information that we just read through. You have this declaration of our God, divine, divine holy, all that he is, all of his attributes, the word, life, light. He became flesh, right? He became flesh, though, at that moment of conception in Mary's womb. Two cells. We believe and we understand it to be one from Mary, the other from the Holy Spirit himself, producing this miraculous conception of God stepping into the flesh. And not only was the divine one now tabernacling in those two cells, he was tabernacling in Mary's womb. And for you women who have gone through the entire pregnancy process and the, the wonder and the miracle of that creation, to know that in you a child, a life is being formed, it's incredible. But in through Mary's entire pregnancy, she has the revelation. She knows what is developing in her womb. Her savior. Her king. Her God. Gordon brought up this morning that, that song of Mary, did you know that you, were, that you were staring into the face of God? And again, the emotion that that conveys. And then on the day where he is squeezed out into to this world, just as the rest of us have been. To the suffering of that, to the pain of that, to the uh, relief of that when it's all said and done. You can picture that God in the flesh as a baby being washed with water, probably being salted being wrapped in these swaddling clothes to keep them warm, keep us safe, keep them tight. What is heaven doing? Because it was this plan A. And heaven, all of heaven knows it. It's been revealed to them. But we're told that the rest of heaven, creation, these spiritual beings... They're observing us and they're watching. 
And God is revealing his grace to them. God is revealing his attributes to them. We have this knowledge to the word that there's, those, there's a portion of those heavenly beings, heavenly beings, we're told a third of them rebelled against God, said, I will not receive that truth. We sit in after Jesus is born. We're given the narrative back in, in, um, in Matthew. What did the wise men do? These guys, these magi from the, from the east. They had some knowledge, probably left over from Daniel, whatever it is. God has exposed to them that the Messiah has been born. And they prepare, and they travel, and they do the hard work. And they, they follow that call. And in that preparation, you know, right, they come with their gifts. They're this traveling caravan. And they make their way to this house. Well, there's now the toddler Jesus. He's, he's older. It's not the night of this, these shepherds where all of heaven is erupting in worship and joy. Glory to God. Man, here's your peace. Here's your salvation. Here's the one that will manifest to you the life and the light and the word. He will manifest to you God. Here's the one who will save you from your sins. The shepherds, the wise men, they travel all of this distance to come and to simply adore. Think of all it would take to get from modern-day Iraq, Babylon, to get to that travel to make it through, right, all the, all the different hardships that you would have to go through to travel that kind of distance in that age for a moment. How long were they there? Ten minutes? Ten hours? How long before Joseph said, thanks for the gifts, it's time for you all to go, we got to go to bed? But they came and they adored. They saw. They saw God in the flesh. And that's, that's all I am trying to convey to you this morning. Is again, just me, just personally, just meditating it. What is it that I am a human? What has my life experience been? How has God defined this existence for me? What is it that I am hoping for? What is it that I desire to be like? I desire to be like the perfect man, Jesus. The divine one who took on humanity. And then at the same time, I'm begging the Lord every single day, don't let me be like Herod. Because you watch the wise men, all this preparation, all this effort, all this energy, all this danger, all this suffering, to come and adore the no, their known king for a moment, an afternoon, let's say, an evening. And then they leave to go all the way back. But Herod's heart is he knew that this child that was born is the predicted Messiah. He went to the religious leaders, and where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem. That child, God in the flesh, is violating what I want. Kill him. And this is, this is what we sit in in humanity. We are told that God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. That God did not come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to manifest his love. He came to manifest his life. He came to declare the heart, the attributes, the truth 
about who God is in all of his grace. And that was, that's what was observed and that's what's been declared and proclaimed and preserved for us all the way through today. And every single one of our hearts, we get to decide, am I going to be like the wise one and adore and bow and sacrifice and follow and do as directed, not out of you better, but because all I want to do is have a heart of adoration. And I want to be a human as he demonstrated his humanity. And that contrast that we have sit in, sat in personally in rejection, in violent opposition, in your plans god god is not according to my will and we sit in that rejection it can be personal it can be in the midst of our relationship with the lord but ultimately we sit in the lots of human beings there's 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 pushing eight billion human beings alive on this planet today and the heart of our god as he is searching to and fro as he is present in the midst of his creation, he is still manifesting his light in his life. Worship team, come on up. And as we're praying, we are asking God that you would declare to all of your creation who it is that you are, what it is that you've done, who it is that humanity is created in your image. What it is that we lack in our sin and the consequences of that in death. What it is that you became human to declare to us, to proclaim to us you, your love, your grace, your compassion, your generosity, your judgment, your holiness, your wrath. All of humanity stands in condemnation, Lord, in our wrongness, in that self-awareness. And you've proclaimed to us great news you've proclaimed to us your glory you've proclaimed to us peace and it causes us lord to be merry to be filled with joy and rejoicing and wonder and hope thank you for giving us life thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for taking on a human body and being obedient to death and shedding your blood as your life was poured out so that we may have your life. You died so that we may live we sit in that imagery we are crucified with you jesus mm. it is no longer we who live it's you 
and your life who is living in us. And for that, we're thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.